Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to Cafecito, the podcast where we discuss all things culture over a nice cafecito. I'm Yvette Cruz. I'm Joel Cardenas. Thank you for joining us today. So in our debut episode, we talked about how we came up with this and why we decided to um, start this project. But we didn't talk about the name and why we decided to go with Cafecito, where that came from. You know, and... For us, we want to just take a second just to explain really quickly what it means. For us in Latin American culture, uh, some of the most informative, open, and honest conversations have occurred when family and friends have sat down for uh, café con leche or a little cafecito. So it's become a tradition in many places. I mean, you have Mexico, Spain, Latin America, and even some places that are not Latin America, some places like Italy as well, Portugal as well. They'll sit down for a little bit of coffee, you know, or it could be hot chocolate, or it could be anything else and maybe a little bit of pastry here or there, and just have a nice open conversation. A lot of times it could be about politics, but mostly it's about life. It's about family. It's about just kind of getting together and and having a little bit of fun. So that's what we wanted to name the podcast here, and that's what we decided because we want to have those open, honest conversations, informative, and just in a relaxed atmosphere. We're not going to try to necessarily tell you what what you should be doing. We're just giving you options, telling you what we think, but at the same time it is all up to you. So that's why we came up with the name Cafecito, because it's about the tradition of sitting down and having those open, honest conversations. Right, Yvette? Yeah. And the, the Cito, cafe itself just means coffee. But the Cito after, it's like it's like a, it's like saying a small cup of coffee. But really, the Cito, is, it's like a nickname. We we give nicknames right. to things. I've been called Yvetsita a lot of the times <laughs> yeah. or un poquito instead of un poco. So it's just adding that. I, I guess it makes it more comfortable. So, I mean, whether you're drinking coffee with us or drinking decaf or having some tea or nothing, um, I think it's more about the... The culture, the conversation, the right. company, um, more than anything. So that's what we want to do here. We just want to have that nice uh, time where we do something like that. So today we are talking about the iPhone and its 10th anniversary. Uh, we're going to look back at it, uh, how it's changed, how it's evolved, how it's changed us. Oh, yeah. No, it's been it's been huge. It's had a huge impact. Yeah. And, and so we're going to hit all of those topics. And we're also going to talk about um, growing up Hispanic in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But before that, um, make sure you if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow us individually. I'm at Evie Cruz. And I'm at Shoal Cardenas. And we are at KSL Cafecito. Yeah. Hit us up anytime. Suggestions, thoughts, et cetera. Okay, so jumping right into our first topic, the iPhone. So the iPhone is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. The iPhone came out in 2007. Hard to believe that was 10 years ago. Oof. It has changed. Um, it's 
the same look. It's generic, you know. It's, I mean, it's generally, uh, it has evolved, but it's still got that one button feature, at least at least up until now. For now. For, just yeah. for now. But it's changed so much, and it's changed how we live. It's hard to believe that a phone, that a device has done that, but it really has. Um, so, Shola, I want to ask you, do you remember when the iPhone came out, or do you remember when you got your first iPhone? Because I know you have one now. Yes, I remember both, actually. I remember in 07, I think I still had either a Razor, a Motorola Razor, which back then was huge. I mean, it felt yeah, like every cool kid, quote unquote, quote unquote, had the Razor, or I had the BlackBerry. I just can't remember what which one it was in 2007, but I remember when it came out, first off, it was too expensive for me. I was in college. I couldn't afford it. I was too busy thinking about buying books and and trying to find food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, Heard that. So, so for me, I was and I was happy with the phone that I had. But little by little, then with iTunes, when I heard of what iTunes was about, when I heard about what how easy it was to get music, I began to get tempted. I began to get tempted little by little, and but I tried to fight it. Honestly, I really tried to fight it. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep my BlackBerry. By then, I had moved on to the BlackBerry after the Razor. Yeah, and I was like, no, I love the keyboard. I want to keep it here, and I, I really enjoy this. I'm not going to give in. And then I ended up getting a Samsung, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I did end up getting an iPod Touch, and I remember just thinking, wait a minute, this is pretty good, this iPod Touch. Now, if I can combine this with the phone, that would be great. And so I finally decided, okay, I'm going to switch over. I switched over to the iPhone, and I have not looked back. You know, honestly, when the iPhone came out and when I didn't think it was going to have as big of an impact as it has had in our and our culture and our lives, if you will, but because I always thought, okay, the the laptop is probably going to end up being the most important part of technology that we have for the, the MacBook. Next, yeah, the MacBook. Mm-hmm. You know, just any kind of laptop in general. At first, I said laptop because we had Dell and we had uh, other computers like that in the early two thousands, like just in coming out of high school and going into college, we had those ones. But then when the MacBook came out, okay, I thought this is probably going to be the most important piece of instrument that we have. I, I have to argue that it's not anymore in the sense of mm, yeah. I think it's the phone. I think it's the iPhone. I think the iPhone has become the most important piece of technology, the most powerful instrument that we have right now that anybody can get. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think. Yeah, I, I do. I don't want to agree, but I do agree. <laughs> I wish we were more independent. Right. Um, but I do agree. I think that it's, it's hard to believe that in this one little device, I, ha- I have the iPhone 6s right now and i didn't get my first iphone until i was 21 when i could pay for it and it was a used one i did not get a new phone because when the iphone first came out it was a luxurious phone it was something that i was uh 16 when it first came out and it was something that a 16 year old could not afford on their own at least i don't think so at least you know with a part-time job or or whatever at least not with my part-time job (laughs) um it was just something that like i saw in the distance and now it's it's so crazy to think that i i can honestly say i won't I don't think I would switch back to another phone. I think as the iPhone, I'm not going to get the new iPhone every time it comes out, but I'm probably going to stay with iPhone because I also have um, a MacBook at home and I have an iPad. And so all the things just sync so perfectly together. Maybe that, I'm sure that, I'm sure that was um, Apple's plan, but it worked and here I am. And, And it's just hard to believe that everything we have you know, calculators, calculators, that's in your smartphone. GPS, that's in your smartphone. Notes, like to, to take things down, that's in your smartphone. The internet, that's in your smartphone. And and I guess that could be in, not just the iPhone, that could be any any smartphone nowadays. But it's just so crazy to believe that that's all in this phone. And if you lose 
Oh, and you can also make calls and text. You know, you can oh, also yeah. communicate oh, those with people. Things as well, right? Yeah, you know, who's <laughs> talking about those? But, but it's just—I don't know. I maybe I'm naive. I, I mean, I am naive to think that th- that's that's what's happening, and that's crazy to be happening. And I think from here on out, it's it's just it's only going to get more and more um, necessary. Mm-hmm. I think more and more features are going to be added, um, and that's that's what we um, that's what we're going to turn to. And even in journalism. And no disrespect to photographers because I have a huge admiration for what they do. I, I wish I could be a photojournalist. I wish I had the skills to be a photojournalist and to understand how all these cameras operate. But now more and more are journalists using their iPhone as their or their smartphone in general as their um, means to tell stories. You know, if you if you are driving and you see a scene you, and you don't have your camera with you, well, guess what? Your iPhone's a camera. It's a video camera. It's a live uh, streaming device. So you're telling these stories and you're, you're just living your life. With this little device, your alarm clock. I don't. I don't wake up yeah. without this thing. No. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's so. It's horrible. Really, for, for especially for us in, in this business, it's really become the number one instrument that we have. Yeah. Really, for a lot of us to go out there, especially for multimedia journalists. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's important to have their camera and things like that. But if worst comes to worst, they have their phone. That yeah, it's, it's a playing. last case scenario, yeah. but it's not. It's not. I mean, it's worst case scenario, but it's not even that bad of a scenario. It's. Right. It could have been worse. I mean, think about doing the work that we do now with the razor. Think about having oh. to take pictures of something with the or razor or and having, <laughs> yeah, or and then having that go online. And I know that that happened back in the day. Those pictures, some of those pictures from those phones were published mm-hmm. in certain um, news outlets. But think of our news outlet. Think of the pictures that we have to post. Imagine if the quality was from those phones that we used or recording, even recording devices or taking notes. I, I don't think there was. I mean, yeah, there's probably ways to take notes and stuff on a phone, yeah. but. I just don't know where I'd be without my phone, and it's horrible. Well, well, uh, that was going to lead me to the next question. Do you feel like now because, and not just Apple, I mean, yes, Apple has led the way, but other companies as well, they've done such a good job at perfecting kind of what we need on a phone. What, what, what do you think, that we become now too dependent yes. on it? Yes, I do, because... Um, just think about, have you ever gone a day without your phone? You know, you're like, oh man, I left it at home and now I have to go my whole day. It's doable. Yes, you don't die. You survive. Right. But think about how many times you kind of reach for it. You like, you need it because it's in your day to day thing. Um, I, I love it because I, I take notes on it. I also, I, I love still taking notes. I have a little notebook and I take notes. I love putting pen to paper for now. Um, but I also, st- I don't have it with me all the time in my phone. I do. And so I can, you know, I have ongoing notes for different things and different thoughts, lists. I, I put all that stuff in my phone. And if I didn't have that, I would be lost as in I wouldn't know half the things that I remember because I don't have my phone or, you know, my notes with me. Right. Um, and I know, like, I was reading this article, the iPhone or, you know, phones in general, but the iPhone, the article's about, um, has transformed the way we live day to day. So one of the things it says is that the iPhone has transformed photography from a hobby to a part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And that's so true because when you have things like social media, you have Instagram, you have Snapchat, you have Facebook, all that stuff that's on your phone. You don't you no longer have to go find a computer at an Internet cafe or at school in the computer lab. No, that's on your phone. And you can share what you're doing in that moment on your through your phone. Right. And you can, you know, call somebody and text somebody and and I remember one of the the big things that that came out or when the iPhone came out one of the big things that that um, impressed me was the FaceTime. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure the FaceTime was on the first iPhone. I think it came with with Apple. So I think 
I'm I, not, I can't remember okay. specifically. I hope but, so because yeah. it, one of those iPhones, at least one of those, yeah. it had it had FaceTime, and yeah, you couldn't face you. Had, somebody else had to have an iPhone, or they had to have the FaceTime, and they had to have some type of FaceTime device. But I just remember thinking, hey, we had these um, these shows like the Jetsons, or like I'm a '90s 2000 kid, so like Disney Channel, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just like when they had those little devices and they like fate like they were chatting with each other in person, or I me mean, not person, like face to face through mm. like virtually. Yeah. That was incredible. And I was like, wow, are we ever going to have that? Are we going to be part of that? And we are. Now yeah. we, and it's not just FaceTime, you know, you have Skype or you have, you have all these other devices, but the iPhone was like the first, and I hope I'm right, but the iPhone was the first phone, like the first mobile device, the small thing that you could put in your pocket and still talk to somebody on the other side of the country or, you know, just down the street, but you just don't want to call them and see their face. So it's crazy. No, and it's something. Are you are you getting the new the new phone coming up? I know I am gonna get the ten. You I are. Will say, yeah, I'm gonna get the ten. Uh, but hashtag to the company for getting that for me because <laughs> <laughs> a thousand dollars is still a thousand dollars. It's still um, quite a bit. Yeah, that's it. that's pretty steep. No, I'm actually still paying off my iPhone six, <laughs> so that's the only way I could get them. I mean, there's there's payment mm. plans now. Um, mm. but I yeah, I'm not in a hurry to get it. I I I won't say that I'm never gonna get it. I might I might get the the seven. I want the I have the success, so I want the seven because it takes way better pictures, and I I do love photography but um i don't know I'm, I'm not in a rush to get it um i can see why other people are i can see apple apple has done a great job in mm-hmm. um getting people to love their product um they're not perfect no one's perfect but they are part of everyday life no and to wrap up the one thing i'll say what apple has perfected as well is also building the trust of the of the user and so now like you said there's some people myself included as well we're lifers, kind of. We won't, yeah. we won't necessarily go back. Mm-hmm. It's because of the product that they have Not because, oh, it's so shiny or all oh, this, because you know the product's going to be good. Yeah, it's the system. Yeah. And, and so, that's what you're used to. Yeah. And so that trust has been built there for many people, many Americans, many people around the world. And so they've done a good job. So am I looking forward to it? Yes, I am. And um, it's going to be, it'll be good. But the technology just keep getting advancing. But hopefully for a point also as well, don't become too dependent on it. Yeah. Yes, it's important, but Take you got to live break. your life. Yeah, go live your life. Don't just keep checking up on social media. Yeah, and and like, just lo- like, get an alarm clock. Get a real alarm clock. <laughs> I I will try to do that. I'm not gonna be. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna get commit to anything. Old school round alarm clock. Yes, with the bells. you know I have one of those. I just need batteries. Ah, okay. So uh, my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Has, it has been then. You'll, you'll, you'll tell us to. You'll tell us next time if you yes. set it up. Or not. Yes, I will. <laughs> are celebrating it, of course. And even I wanted to ask you about growing up Hispanic. We talk a lot about kind of what it means. We talk about what, to us, our identity as Latino Americanos here in the United States. I want to have a little bit of fun with it at first. For a growing up Hispanic, is there something that kind of stands out? If somebody asks you, growing up Hispanic... Is there something that first kind of stands out? And it doesn't have to be something necessarily serious. It could be something fun like, oh, well, I remember growing up Hispanic means, mm-hmm. you know, every Sunday I'm mm-hmm. going to my abuela's house and we're having, you know, pan dulce or, or lo que sea, things like that. So to open this topic up without being too serious, let's have a little fun with it. Okay. How, how about, what about growing up Hispanic to you? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, first thing was, uh, I'm Mexican, so Loteria. Mexican bingo. Oh, okay. Um, I remember playing that, and it was like, it was you know, you it's, it's Mexican bingo. So if you've ever seen it, it's like I think it's a four by four. So it's sixteen. You know, you have different cards, and then you have it's just just the 
the memory of like the person who was dealing the cards, you know, because um, yeah. they're 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 not numbers. They're like. Uh, staples, I guess, like staples of like you have la bota, the boot, you have la mano, the hand. It's it's actually a good way to learn Spanish because um, there's a little picture, la araña, the yeah. spider, you know. And so like I remember um, getting together with some family and then some family friends, and th- that's when I started uh, like we, we started playing. We didn't do this all the time, but it was like this thing to look forward to because you know we'd have these quarters, and then you have like you, you'd have your lucky card, like you know, like number seven, that's mine because that one has the bota and it has the bandera, and like that's like that's mine, like yeah. that's my lucky card. And then you know it just it was just fun, like you just I remember. The, the person who was doing the cards, they would do all these voices. It wasn't boring. It wasn't like three, two, right. 74. Like, it was just like, um, el venado. Mm-hmm. And then everybody would be like, el venado. Like, you know, people just got into it. And it was just so fun. I mean, I, I need to play that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say that's like the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of things. But first thing that comes to mind is loteria right. and playing loteria. Ah, and okay. um, I don't know if you've ever played loteria. You know, I actually, when I moved here to Utah from uh-huh. New Jersey, I had to be taught what loteria was. Because, really? Uh, yeah, because, it's probably, it probably is a Mexican thing. Yeah, like, it's mostly, yeah. But I learned it just from here, just yeah. from Mexican-Americans that would teach me. Like, yeah. at, in school, they'd say, you never play loteria? I'm like, I know how to play dominoes. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because in, in the East Coast, like I grew up around yep. a lot of... Uh, Puerto Ricanos, a lot of Dominicanos, mm-hmm. a lot of Cubanos who prefer playing dominoes, yeah, dominoes. who love playing dominoes. And so I learned to play dominoes at a young age as, as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes from my uncles, sometimes just from the people that were living in the same building, they would just play in front of our apartment building. Yeah. They were just playing there sometimes in El Parque. They were playing there as well. Oh, yeah. So I learned how to play dominoes. So when we came out here, my brother and I, we were wondering, where are all the people? Why people don't play dominoes out here? <laughs> you know, I didn't play dominoes until uh, this year. That was my oh, first really? time ever playing dominoes. And mm-hmm. it was with uh, some Puerto Ricanos. It was at a, an old folks home for Hispanics. And mm-hmm. they wanted to play dominoes. And I had never played. And I love it. Nice. You know, I'm still a fan of Loteria. Right. But well, dominoes is cool. Yeah. Um, is there a, like, let's say growing up Hispanic, is there like a, a smell that comes to mind oh, for yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. For me, it's the smell of, and I hope people know what this <laughs> is, of sofrito. Sofrito. Of sofrito. So there is, like, you could get it at the store. Like, they'll have it mixed for you. So sofrito is just like a little kind of, it's almost like a little bit of like a salsa that mm-hmm. you could just put in with chicken, with, you could put it with pork and things like that. But it's just like tomatoes and my mom can make it, like, just to make a mix of it. Oh, uh, I see a picture of it, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what, to me, like, the smell, like, that smell when I would come back home of sofrito, and I was like, okay, my mom is making something really, really good. And, of course, other, her other food is great. Then again, I have to say that. But <laughs> but for me, the smell of, the first thing I think of is sofrito. Yeah. Because that also helps with combining with the typical, the, the, the number one Ecuadorian dish, which is uh, seco de pollo. Uh-huh. So that What's is that? that is basically like a chicken stew, mm-hmm. but it just has yeah it's chicken and it's just really tasty. Um, but it's it's the typical dish of Ecuador. It's done also uh, with goat in oh. some places in Ecuador. Uh-huh. Uh, that would be more of the kind of the Andean area. But for us, uh, as far as the people that are from uh, the Guayaquil area, the coastal area, it's mainly done with chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. That's to me. That's what I think about the smell, like smelling that. And sometimes when I go to my mom's place, even now, uh, on a Sunday, to smell that, like the seco that's cooking up, it's like it just takes me back to as being yeah. a kid. But well, what about for you? Is there a certain smell? A for you? smell, um, yeah. This or a certain taste, even if you. Um. Hmm, okay. So smell. This, this is. This might sound weird, and it's not the only smell that comes to mind. Um. There's obviously a lot, but it has nothing to do with food. It's actually 
cleaning products. Like cleaning, like, like you know, like Clorox or like, yeah, like products because I'd wake up like on, you know, Saturday mornings and my mom would be cleaning and she'd be blasting the music and then you could smell, you could smell the clean. You could smell like, especially in the summertime, she was trapeando, she was mopping and she was cleaning windows because my mom is very, very clean. She's a very, very clean person and she's very thorough with her cleaning. And I just remember... When the music was blasting and just I, I remember that smell like the music would wake you up. But then that's one of the first things that you'd smell. And this wasn't an everyday thing. Um, this was like a weekend or every other weekend. Um, but she just really liked to clean. And I think that's and I've talked to other people about it. Like that's that's something that that um, like they remember, too. It's just like waking up, like wake, being woken up by the music, the mom, your mom blasting music and <laughs> then having to clean. Like yeah. you knew, all right, well, what am I going to have to do? And then, yeah, that, that was it. And I, I don't know. I think that's weird. <laughs> so food, food comes to mind too. But like first off the top of my head is yes, cleaning products. I don't, um, know, I don't know about you, but for me, like the sound, uh-huh. like growing up Latino, the sound for me is salsa music. Okay. But I, I know I mentioned it to you, but I'll mention it to you, to the listener here. Uh, I didn't know that it was called salsa music as a kid. Oh, really? And neither did my brother. So my uncle, Roberto, he would always play that music when he would come over and in his car. So we didn't know what to call it. So we always just called it Roberto music. So every time we would hear it in the street, we would hear it just around 42nd Street in, in New York, anything like that. We'd say, hey, look, there's Roberto music. That's what we would call it. Until, it's like, until my mom's like, oh, that's actually, it's called salsa music. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, so salsa. So to me, salsa music is always going to be the growing up aspect is going to be the first thing. Uh-huh. I mean, other music obviously came yeah. along and things like that, but for me, especially growing up in the New Jersey, the New York City area, yeah. it's going to be salsa. Anything for you that comes up with sound? Uh, yes, yeah, sound. Um, yes. Uh, when, like the first, when I was very, very young, the first, um, at least the first memory that I have of, of like music, of sound, is uh, Selena. Selena Quintanilla. Um, that my parents loved Selena, and um, I think I was about, I think she was, she died in 94 or 95. So, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, I was four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- but, but even after that, my parents would play it. Play. I remember they had the, ca- the, the cassette, and we would play it in the car, and then we'd have it, you know, in the, in the house too, like in the, like a little stereo, like a little stereo box. And, yeah, like that, that's, that's the first thing is uh, Selena. Beedy, beedy, bum, bum, you know, a bunch of all that stuff. <laughs> you I'm know, a big Selena fan. <laughs> for me, also growing up Latino, it would be Onivision is like the first oh, media. Primer impacto. Primer, oh, primer impacto. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. we could we could we could talk about that. That's that's gonna yes. be a segment of song one day. Yeah, impacto. But for me, El Noticiero mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like growing up with Jorge Ramos and yep. Maria Elena Salinas, like it's just crazy to think that they've been to, like together doing the newscast for so many years. Yeah, seeing them as a kid, and now so many years later, they're still on the air. They're still doing a great job. Yeah, on Onivision, but. To me, always just watching the song, and that's all the respect del mundo. Yeah. You know, that's fine. But the first one is always yeah, like Sábado Gigante yeah. is another thing also as well. Like growing up Hispanic, if you didn't sit down a Saturday to see Sábado Gigante, maybe not every Saturday, but occasionally seeing, one, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, seeing Don Francisco en el Chacal, yeah, y la you know, Cuatro, oh, and all this oh stuff. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, I remember that I didn't even know it was called Sábado Gigante. Like I never called it Sábado Gigante. I always called it Don Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like that was the show. It was named after <laughs> Don Francisco. I was like, wait, what's Sábado Gigante? I didn't know that, that was the <laughs> actual name of the show until years later. <laughs> yeah. No, and then like so I think of some of the artists, like you mentioned Selena as well. Yeah. Like I think, I'm thinking for me, like, yeah, there was Hector Lavo, but Hector Lavo was kind of after a little bit, at, like he was already, his time had already passed. But just mm-hmm. growing up still with that kind of music, like hearing Hector Lavo, 
my mom just really enjoyed a lot of the other salsa music also as well. Ruben Blades is another one that I think Willy Colón, mm -hmm. Celia Cruz, like hearing this. These were all artists and still are artists that my family listens to and things like that. And so that's something that to me growing up Latino uh, is, you know, represents I just remembered a smell, another smell. Go ahead. Um, Beaks, like Beaks Vaporu. Oh, Vaporu, yes, of course. That, that's a Did you really guys call important. it Beaks? We just called it Vaporu. We just called it, well, at least in my family, we called it Beaks. Because, oh, okay. you know, it's called Beaks, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, Vapor Rub for yeah. other people that, you know. Um, we would, yeah, we would put it on. Like, you'd put it on your, your chest if you have a cold or if you, you'd put it on your feet and then put socks on. I don't know where these things come from. It's tradition, yeah. I guess. But I remember that smell, that I smell it now. And the, yeah. and and then also if you are sick you know what you got to drink right you got to drink es sprite sprite not yeah, sprite sprite yes you, you have drink. a stomachache drink some sprite yeah drink yeah. <laughs> drink some uh, uh, sprite and just growing up with all those things you know I think is just some of the examples obviously we could go on and on about this topic but I think for us we just want to talk about some of the things that for in our memory growing up Hispanic and I don't know about you but for me like I want to continue some of those traditions as time goes on yeah you know with more of my family and things like that because to me that is important because i think even the idea of like growing up with a smell or one that mm -hmm. as weird as that may sound mm -hmm. to me it's important to me it's part of the, the tradition you know mm -hmm. yeah so uh just to wrap up how about this quick question yes. um what does growing up hispanic mean to you or what did it mean to you to me it's always going to be first off with family it's going to be with family uh, many, many blessings. I could say that as well. The struggle was always there, especially the way we grow up there, but we did it together. Mm -hmm. You know, the struggle was there mainly obviously for my mom, but at the same time, my brother and I, we did struggle as well, especially the move out west here from New Jersey with a lot of different circumstances and, and getting through those tough times together. It, that's what to me growing up Hispanic is, 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 La familia and sticking together and even through those tough times, being able to see see it out of it. And even now, you know, continuing on like that, continuing on when any time another struggle comes, it comes along, you know, we're, we're here for each other. So to me, that's what that means. What, what about for you? Um, for me, I think I would say hard work. Um, I always saw my mom work very, very hard and sometimes work two, even three jobs at one point to, um, you know, give my sister and I the life that she wanted to. So uh, ever since then, I just remember, you know, it, it, being lazy is not an option. Being, you know, slacking off is not an option. It was just always about hard work and hard work pays off. And you know what? Hard work did pay off. Yeah. And it will continue to, I hope. Yeah. We wanted to end today's podcast with giving... Sending our thoughts and prayers to the people of Mexico, the people of Puerto Rico right now who are going through a very difficult time, obviously with the earthquake in Mexico and with Hurricane Maria that passed through Puerto Rico. As we record this episode, there have been at least 40, 245 people killed uh, in the earthquake in Mexico. And at the time of this recording, there's at least confirmed one person, uh, reported I should say, one person was killed uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, due to the effects of the hurricane. And so we just want to take some time to just say, you know, we're with you to the people of Mexico. I know some of us, we either have people that either are over there or some people that just know of other people there. Uh, actually, my friend was over there when it happened. She was actually returning back to 
the United States. Wow. If she was in, at the airport when it happened with her husband. And she said it was very scary, obviously. And But she said the warmth of the people there made her made her out of all that nervousness mm-hmm. made it comforted her because she said they ran to a wall uh, at the airports there while the everything was starting to shake but then there was a uh, airport worker who went over and covered them because they were both on the floor and he got on top of both of them and covered them just in case if something were to wow. fall down fortunately nothing did fell down but and they were fine but obviously there are a lot of people who were not fine and who are who are now Either mourning the loss, some people are mourning the loss of a loved one, yeah. and and so and our, our thoughts are with you guys, and and not just for just the recovery, but also animo as yeah. well for the strength because it's gonna take it's gonna take some time to to put things back together. Yeah, and um, I know that right now some some horrible things are happening in in lots of different places, but it has been a little comforting to see see how humanity has responded in such a good way. I was uh, watching the live coverage of the um, earthquake with my mom on uh, Tuesday. And one of the reporters, um, one of the Univision reporters, he was live at the scene and he, you know, there's all these people running around and, you know, you could see the, some of the buildings, the, um, the, 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 the remains of the buildings on the floor and, and people were running up to the scene and, and the guy was trying to interview people live and he was saying, you know, hey, but were you running from that building? Were you in that um, building? And these people weren't running from the earthquake. They were running to um, the buildings that had fallen to try and rescue people. Wow. That's what they were running to. And it was just, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but at least there's that. And um, that was nice to see the, yes. the good, the humanity in people. So um, if anyone wants to help and you're asking how you can do that, you can donate. Um, several organizations are taking donations. Uh, make sure you vet them and make sure you know that the money is actually going towards uh, victims. Um, but I know Facebook is, uh, if you open the uh, Facebook app on your mobile device, they have an option for you to donate to Hurricane Maria victims um, and to the people of Puerto Rico. And um, Topos Mexico, it's a nonprofit rescue brigade. It's made up of volunteers that um, that was created after the big 1985 earthquake. So they um, are taking donations as well. Um, they're uh, helping people. So if you want to help out too, um, you can search for these groups and make a donation. No, please, please do donate in a in a time of need. It's it's it shouldn't reach the point where we always are waiting for. Or we have to wait for a, a disaster to happen to be helping out others. But when it does happen, this is where we need to stand together uh, now more than ever. So please do, please do donate. And and if you can't, that's fine. But please continue your thoughts uh, and your prayers uh, for the people of Mexico and for the people of Puerto Rico. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, please subscribe to uh, KSL Cafecito on iTunes. Follow us on social media. I'm at Evie Cruz. I'm at Joel Caranas. And we are at KSL Cafecito. Thanks for listening. Bye.